0: Welcome to PJ's Torah Corner. It's the 19th of the Hebrew month of Cheshvan, which means we're a little more than a month away from the introvert's favorite Jewish holiday, Hanukkah. So get your candles and fancy lamps ready and diet now for jelly donuts later. Today, we're going over the daily Chumash, meaning the daily portion of the five books of Moses, with my friend Dempsey. We're also going to mention Rashi, the foremost commentator on the Torah, and his explanation of some parts of this Torah portion. Before we jump into it, here are some Hebrew names for people mentioned in this Torah portion who you may already be familiar with. Avraham, who is Abraham, Sarah, who is Sarah, Yitzchak, who is Isaac, and Yishmael, who is Ishmael. So sit back, relax, and learn something. Take it away, MC. Thanks, PJ.
1: So today, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayera. Um, Coming off from last week's Parsha, we had ended off with God commanding Avraham to have a circumcision as part of his covenant, and Avraham having a circumcision at the age of 99. We begin this week's Parsha with God appearing to Avraham in the third day after his circumcision, while Avraham is recovering in order for God to be able to comfort him and visit him while he's sick. Uh, Avraham is sitting at the entrance of his tent in the middle of the day, hoping that visitors will come by. Uh, Rashi says that God had made the day particularly hot so that nobody would come to bother Avraham while he was, he was recovering. But Avraham really was desperate to really uh, have, any, to have a guest and to welcome them into his home. Uh, as, he's, as he's sitting there, he sees three men appear. Uh, these were actually angels disguised as regular travelers, each, uh, each of these angels with a specific task. And Abraham rushes towards them uh, and asks them to, to stay a little while as his guests. Uh, the way the verse can be read, it also can be looked at as Abraham's telling God to please wait a little while until after he finishes attending to these guests before continuing his conversation with God. Um, Abraham asks that the men wash their feet, uh, he thought, he, thinking that he thought that they were idolaters who worshiped the, the dust on their feet and wanted to remove any idolatry before they were his guests. Uh, he then has a, 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 a lavish meal prepared for them, including calf tongue cooked in a mustard, which is said to be a delicacy served to royalty. Um, so they, they, the, the men sit down for a meal, and then the angel who's tasked with with telling, with discussing uh, Avraham's son asks Avraham about his wife, Sarah, and tells, tells Avraham that in a year from now, at this time, Sarah will have a son. Uh, Sarah overhears this and laughs to herself, uh, incredulous at the thought that she at her age could possibly give birth to a child, not to mention that Avraham is also old. God asks Abraham, why is it that Sarah is laughing? Uh, God omits the part, uh, is it really that absurd? Uh, God omits the part that saying that Avraham was old in order to maintain peace between Avraham and his wife. Um, he also reiterates his promise that Indeed, Sarah will have a his son at this time the following year. Um, so, uh, Sarah is, is Sarah tries to Sarah denies the fact that she laughed, but God in fact confirms that yes, she did laugh about it, and that's that's part of it. It's, his name gets laughed, gets into the laughter. Um, so, the angels, having finished their having finished their meal, get up and start walking towards Sodom and its neighboring cities, with Abraham accompanying them to walk their to walk them out. Um, God decides that he doesn't want to hold back the information of what he plans to do with those cities from Avraham, who he holds so dear. And so he tells Abraham that because of the incredible level of evil and injustice being carried out in Sodom and the other cities of the plain, God plans to go down to investigate to see if they need to be destroyed. Uh, Avraham approaches God in prayer and tells him that if God destroys the, the cities, it will be a desecration of his name to kill the innocent along with the guilty. Uh, Avraham asks that if there can be 10 people in each of the five cities, you know, that, that, that should be enough that, that God should spare the cities. Uh, since there aren't that number, many that number of people, uh, Avraham tr- continues to argue down the number, eventually getting down to 10 people for just to spare one of the cities. Uh, since that, not even that many people can be found, um, Avraham is not able to go any lower. Uh, Rashi explains that this is because Noah Noah and his family, 10 generations before, had been eight people, and that was not enough for them to keep the world from, from being flooded. Since Abraham is not able to argue his case any longer, he rests his case and returns home, and the two angels, two of the angels, continue on to Saddam. Uh, since one of the angels had finished his mission, the other two had the mission of destroying Saddam and rescuing Loth. Uh The angels continue down to the city and reach there by evening. They delay their journey so that they can stall for time in hopes that a positive verdict can be found. Um, Lut, uh, Abraham's nephew, greets them at the gate to Saddam and asks them to come as his guests. Um, Rashi explains that the people of Saddam were incredibly individualistic to the point that they despise any form of of, of hospitality or acts of kindness, and they built it into their culture to be cruel to other people. And Lot feared that if was, was fearful that about bringing these guests in, so he asked them that they come in through the side of his house and not through the front door, and that they didn't wash their feet immediately upon coming in. Lot prepares a lavish feast for them, uh, and that night the people of the town here and all the men gather outside of Lot's house demanding that he hand over his two guests. Lot refuses to hand them over and even offers to give over his two daughters instead. The people refuse and try to break down Lot's door. So the, and the angels strike them with blindness so they're unable to harm him. The angels warn Lot that God is going to destroy the city and tells him to try and get any of his relatives, including his in-laws and his grandchildren to, to try and escape with him. Uh, they re- his in-laws refuse to believe him. And so he is forced to leave with just his wife and his two daughters. Uh, he tries to delay longer to rescue some more of his property, but he's told that he has to, run, he has to leave as soon as possible. Uh, Lot and his family are told not to look back at the destruction as it's happening, and they're told to flee from the mountains to head to Avraham. Lot doesn't want to go back to Avraham because he fears that although he's considered a righteous person compared to the evil people of Saddam, that if he were to go back to Avraham, he would be considered wicked by comparison. So instead, he's given permission to flee to one of the other cities, which was not quite on the same level as Saddam. And in Lut's merit, that city is actually spared. Um, the cities are destroyed. Four of the five cities are completely destroyed. And Lut's wife looks back and she is turned into a pillar of salt. Uh, Lut and his daughters don't end up staying in the city and f- flee to a cave in the mountains. Uh, Lut's daughters, thinking that this, has, is, this is the end of the world again, think that they need to repopulate and get Lut drunk and have children with him. These children end up becoming the nations of Moab and Ammon. Uh, meanwhile, Avraham, after all this after all this happens, move, decides to move to the south, uh, to the land of the Philistines, to a place called Gerar. Uh, he tells everyone there that Sarah is his sister and not his wife. Because he fears that, because he because he knows that the people there are not God-fearing people, and that they would they would they would probably want to kill him. Um, Sarah is taken against her will to the palace of Avimelech, the king of Gerar. Um, And when she's taken there, Avimelech and his family are struck with a plague. And Avimelech is visited by God in a dream. God warns him that he needs to return Sarah to her husband. Avimelech protests that he's innocent and he meant no harm, not knowing that she was even married. Uh, God says that he knows Avimelech is innocent and tells him, and him this so he doesn't bring more harm to himself. Avimelech returns Sarah to to Avraham and gives Avraham uh, many, many gifts, including to giving to Sarah a thousand silver pieces to show that he means no harm. And Avraham prays for Avimelech and he and his family are healed. Later that year, Sarah gives birth to a son and he's named Yitzchak. Sarah praises God for keeping his promise and rejoices and says that all that all who hear of her will also rejoice. Uh, Yitzhak is given a circumcision at eight days and at two years old, he is weaned and they have another celebration. As Yitzhak grows up, uh, Sarah notices that Yishmael, uh, Abraham's older son is beginning to engage in all sorts of immoral and evil activities of idol worship and murder. And he's quarreling with Yitzhak in- about the inheritance and even shooting arrows at him, according to Rashi. So Sarah demands that Yishmael and his mother, Hagar, be sent away. Avraham is very upset about this, but he is commanded by God to listen to Sarah. And so he sends uh, Hagar and Yishmael away with food and water. Uh, They wander in the desert and Yishmael gets sick. And so Hagar and Yishmael cry out to God and an angel responds that, Ishmael will be saved and become a great nation. And they're shown a well and they're able to drink. Uh, Ishmael then grows up to become an archer who lives in the desert. Um, Avraham also makes a peace treaty with Avimelech, the king of Gerar, who had invited him to live wherever he wants in his land. And although there is some quarrel between Avraham and Avimelech's shepherds who try and steal one of Avraham's wells, all, all that's resolved with the peace treaty. And the place that they make the peace treaty is called Be'er Sheba, literally the well of the oath. Um, so after that happens, uh, sometime later when Yitzchak, oh, so so then, oh yeah. So Avraham then sets up a an inn and an orchard in Be'er Sheba where he uses the inn as a way to spread the word of the existence of God to travelers. And that travelers should bless God for the food that they eat when they're there. Years pass, and when Yitzhak is 37 years old, God gives Abraham his final and most difficult test. He commands Abraham to take Yitzhak up on an altar on a mountain in the land of Moriah, and to give him as an offering to, to God. Notice he doesn't tell him to give him as, a, as an offering, but merely to put him up on the altar. Avraham, despite the difficulty, immediately rushes to do this, and he... Travels to the travels to the mountain with Yitzchak and with two other people who Raji says were Ishmael and Abraham's servant Eliezer. Uh, when they reach the place after three days, uh, three days being enough time that they can show that Abraham is doing it out of ra- completely rationally and out of his and, and not in the heat of the moment. Uh, Abraham goes up with Yitzlock to the top of the mountain. Yitzchak asks about the fact that they don't have an animal to sacrifice. And he realizes that really he's the one who's going to be in the sacrifice. And nevertheless, according to Rashi, he goes with complete uh, with complete eagerness to still give up his life. Uh, Abraham sets up an altar and binds Yitzhak on top of the altar. But as he br- is about to bring down the knife, uh, he, a voice from heaven tells him that he, to not harm Yitzhak and that he has passed the test. Um, as a result of this, uh, him and Yitzhak will be doubly blessed. And this act of righteousness that he did will be a a symbol of merit for the Jewish people for all generations to come. Uh, Avraham is shown a ram that's stuck in the thicket, which was repaired for this purpose from creation. And he offers the ram in place of Yitzchak and then returns home. Uh, the Parsha ends with a listing of the children that Avraham's brother back in the land of Haran has. The reason for this being that it involves mentioning the birth of Rivka, who later will become uh, Yitzchak's wife. And from there, we come to the end of the Parsha.
0: So question time. Why in the world does the same thing that happened to Avraham when he comes to Egypt in Lech Lecha, last week's portion, happen in this one with Avimelech? There is the slight difference of the dream, but uh, I mean, I guess there there are more specific things I'm wondering about, but is there some overall thing here, MC? It's,
1: it is a very interesting thing that's going on here. Um, I can't really say for sure, but I do. I believe the Lubavitcher Rebbe discusses this concept. I believe what he said. I mean, when I mean, he says overall, kind of what we see in this parsha compared to last parsha, we really kind of see the idea that there's really one chapter of, of there's like the, the chapter of Avraham's life before he has the, before he has the circumcision, before he has the br- br- bris milah. And then he has this 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 entire other portion, which is after. And it's on a whole, he's, he's really able to go to a whole other level than he was before. And really, we now see kind of this, we see many of the same, of these similar events being reflected, but, 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 Site, but like different on a, on a different sort of level of revelation,
0: huh so okay, so you're saying after the circumcision uh, of last week's parasha, mm-hmm. then it, you're saying things because it, it seems like the this this one mirrors last one with yeah oh, and uh, well, so not only do we have like Paro Pharaoh in Egypt and, and last one and Avi Melech in this one. But it also, like, was the was the first meal of the circumcision? Was that toward the end of last week's parsha as well? It was, yes. Oh, okay. And the akeda is at the end of this one, right? Yes. And both are the only commands straight from Hashem that Abraham gets in. Wait, they're not the only ones, right? Because uh, because Hashem asks Abraham and Sarah to go south, and they end up getting taken to Egypt in last week. So they're not the only ones, right? Right, right.
1: They're not the um, only commands,
0: but. But it's, it's interesting. It seems like there, there may be some connection between the brisk meal of the circumcision toward the end of the last one and the akeda toward the end of this one still.
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, that's a really good point. I mean, there's really just the parallelisms are everywhere. You also have uh, Hagar being sent away. That happens also in both parshas. Um, there's, there are some other things. I, I'm not sure. Oh, that. really think on that.
0: That's interesting. You're saying she's sent away twice. Yeah. Oh, that's that's crazy to think about that. Like that. I thought that was a single event this entire time. Huh? Okay. And so what, with this, gosh, that's, that's crazy that like, that it's a lot of the same events happening on a different level. Right. And so would an example of that be when, Uh, What was Egypt and Paro in last week's Parsha? In this Parsha, Avimelech, would that be the dream? How there's some addition, there's some higher level of things going on with the addition of that dream of Hashem communicating directly with a uh, with a human being, and that being included.
1: I I, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say that there really there's there's kind of a different level of things happening here. I mean, also another difference you see is that. and, and when they went down to Egypt, uh, when after after Sarah is return, Paro commands them to leave immediately, and they have to leave because they're just so they can't stay any longer steeped in that like environment. Whereas here Avi lets them stay as long as they want. And um, hmm. I guess also it's different because there it's within the land, it's within the land of Israel, and it's not in a another country.
0: Uh huh. But weren't they, didn't you say that they were still concerned about either the land or the people there?
1: Uh, yes. So Abraham says that it's a land where it doesn't appear that there's much fear of God. And and Rashi says about this that it's the sort of place where when a visitor comes, the first thing they think is not how can we make accommodation for him. The first thing they think is, is are the women with him available? Can we take them for ourselves?
0: Hmm interesting so so got it so, i mean <laughs> why did they stay then
1: <laughs> it's a really good question um, i'm not sure but i guess it, i guess there's no, there's not the same quality to it as there is in egypt there must be something about that
0: because, so it's I mean, kind I mean, of go ahead
1: i i guess we see Avraham Avra, uh, sort of making being able to work with it like he he digs wells there he sets up You know, he sets up residence. He builds an inn to try and attract people to to believing in God.
0: Hmm. Okay. Huh. Okay, so the... So the... That's interesting. Like, uh, I forget exactly where this comes from, but aren't there descriptions... Okay, I feel like (laughs) I'm going to keep digging into this until I hear everything. So uh, we got to save the rest. Yeah, this has been enlightening. Thanks for your time, MC. Thank
1: you.
0: This has been PJ's Torah Corner. Have a great rest of your day. See ya.